Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening. Welcome back to A Fine Time for Healing. I'm your show host, Randy Fine. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. You know, I talk about abuse a lot in terms of narcissistic abuse. Um, That's really um, my major focus. But today, we're going to talk about it more in general, um, and then maybe even more specific. But today's guest, Karen Tate, she says that abuse no longer is just happening to the neighbor down the street or the girl on television. It's not just a random father creeping into their child's room at night, the unaccountable pedophile, priest, or a case of domestic violence. It's even beyond predator, capitalism, and abuse of authority figures. Yes, that's true. We cannot hide under the covers or wear blinders. Karen Tate is a thought leader, seven times published author, podcaster, social justice activist, and now an admitted abuse survivor. She has released her newest book, Normalizing Abuse, a commentary on the culture of pervasive abuse. And we're going to talk to her today, Karen's with us, and we're going to talk to her about all that she has researched into abuse. She has covered this in such depth that um, I was astounded at how much information is there. So um, welcome, Karen. Welcome to A Fine Time for Healing. Thank you, Randy. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. Thank you. We love, we will love talking to you because this is right up our alley. So um, you said that now you're an admitted survivor. And I know by reading your book that you had many traumas, but how would you like to explain that? Well, um, it's it's rather interesting, at least I think it is. Um, Here I was a social justice activist, and I felt like I was out there in the world fighting for other people, you know, particularly women, you know, the underdog, the underclass. And um, I did not realize the abuse that was going on in in my own life or had gone on in my own life. I mean, I didn't think I had a perfect childhood by any stretch of the imagination. And I knew I had bad bosses and, you know, nasty friends. Uh, But, you know, I, uh, I, I didn't actually realize that I had been um, abused and exploited until um, I was healing from a stun gun assault. And, um, And it was during that process when I was healing from the stun gun assault and simultaneously taking care of my husband who had fallen, hit his head and was suffering from a brain injury that, um, you know, I really started to peel back the onion, uh, you know, those layers and saw my life differently. And that opened my eyes to, I, I feel, pervasive abuse, institutionalized, um, you know, in all the different areas that I cover in the book. Um, and I feel like we're wearing blinders, we're sanitizing it, we're whitewashing it. You know, we call it by, um, you know, nice labels. 
uh, but when you really get down to it, it's abuse and exploitation or domination. It's amazing. You know, I work with people, sometimes they'll come to me about issues they're having in adulthood without even being in touch with what their issues were from childhood. And I can tell by the way they're dealing with their adulthood or having, you know, dealing with the issues they're having, that they had trauma in their childhood. And, and often it really takes a lot to bring that out because they say, oh, I had a normal childhood. Just everything was fine. Yeah. Um, you know, there in the very beginning of your book, you said um, you were just at the beginning of discovering how to change certain narratives learned from childhood, such as learning from my mother to be fearful and endure. You know, I can't tell you how many people have received that message. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think so many people are conditioned to be afraid. Uh, I mean, I know I'm bombarded with um, emails, you know, in practically every email is I better do this, you know, I better, you know, if I don't do this, something bad is going to happen. Um, you know, we get it from all corners that life out there is dangerous, and we really need to be afraid. And I, honestly, I think it's part of predator capitalism, you know, to sell us stuff, to make us afraid, or tell us we're not good enough. Um, you know, think of how much money the uh, cosmetic industry makes telling women they're not good enough, right? So, you know, we're afraid we're not going to look good enough to get a husband or succeed in business, or um, it's the messages that, that we get. And um, I think keeping people afraid, even in politics, it benefits um the you know it, it it benefits the agenda of uh people who want to manipulate us i agree we live in a fear-based society yeah and it's very yeah. controlling you know and here we are in the united states supposed to be the freest country in the world but we're not yeah, yeah and and i think a lot of it is um made up you know um of course they're things that you know we have to be cautious of but i think so much of it is overblown hyperbole and uh you know but it but it serves the agenda to keep people afraid you know there's you know this horrible crime in the streets um i mean i remember after the uh black lives matter um protests i had a friend from uh, you know, the Midwest call me because all she was hearing on the news was it was like Los Angeles was burning, you know, and it was it, it, the farthest thing from the truth, you know, um, you know, because the, you know, the news media is a culprit as well. You know, they want to, you know, keep us afraid. They want to sell us stuff, um, you know, whether it be, um, I don't know, a home security system or gold or a political candidate. Right. So um, I want to read something from your book. And you said, um, you know, you, you were kind of listing the, the different ways in which, you know, we are suffering abuse. And you say we are plagued with endless war, corruption, greed, and the destruction of the planet. Personally, professionally, and socially, we are regaled with verbal manipulation, lies, corruption, and manufactured consent. 
Through more and more media outlets, this bombardment has only normalized and dimmed our ability to recognize it, conditioning us to accept escalating abuse and domination. The destruction of our cognitive awareness and the dissolution of critical thinking acculturate us to being manipulated, victimized, abused, and um, yeah, and abused. So much so that many of us no longer even see the abuse and the exploitation. We hardly even acknowledge it anymore. This blindness permits many to become more outrageously dominating and abusive without a conscience. This really says it all, right? I think as it a, does. As an overview. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. And, um, you know, that that is what we're living in. You know, I mean, so I mean, look, there are thousands of examples, but uh, take take a non-disclosure agreement, for instance. OK, used to be just standing at standard operating procedure. If you work for a company, maybe when you left, um, you know, if you wanted a severance package or just if you left, you had to sign one because, you know, the company rightfully didn't want you sharing secrets. You know, no big deal. Well, what what uh, you know, how is an NDA used today? They're used uh, to silence people from speaking out about uh, evil deeds that have been done, you know, and I think more often than not, um, you know, when you hear NDA, um, I don't think people really always think, well, you know, uh, it, it might be beyond just a standard operating procedure. You know, what is it that maybe that employer doesn't want that employee to talk about? You know, were they involved in, you know, breaking the law or, um, you know, uh, unsafe work conditions, whatever it was? Were they selling a product that they knew was unsafe to the public? You know, and, um, you know, and, and I think we, um, you know, if we want that severance package, if we want a good referral, we got to play the game. You know, we endure it. We endure it. You're right. We do. Yeah. We endure a lot. You know, um, I know when I sent out notices to, because sprinkled within the book or people's short stories and snippets of things they endured, and probably the most feedback I got, aside from, you know, maybe, you know, uh, sexual molestation was abuse in the workplace or by corporations. And, um, you know, the employers out there that, uh, for instance, if you're in the human resources department and you have maybe 10 positions to fill and, you know, you've been told that, but of course it's not in writing, you know, you've been told by the boss, well, I'm not going to take any interviews for people that are, um, you know, over 50 or black or a woman or this or that or the other. So they're basically telling this human resources person, you have to discriminate and break the law, you know? And uh, so what, is, what does an employee do with that, right? They have to go along to keep their job, but they're complicit and, you know, uh, discrimination, maybe even against the disabled. Uh, but we just tolerate these things, you know, they're everyday occurrences. We say, well, it's just the way it is. <laughs> and there's just so many of these um, things in the book, you know, I, I mean, when black people 
came back from fighting in World War II, they weren't, you know, in, in all, you know, all the, uh, you know, soldiers got VA benefits. How many people know that Black people didn't have access to the same benefits? I didn't know. You know, or the discovery doctrine, I mean, going way back, I mean, some of this is very current, some of it, it has history to it. The dis uh, doctrine of discovery that I discovered actually writing this book that the Pope um, put out, you know, in the earliest of days when explorers were coming to the new world, uh, said that, um, you know, these explorers, you know, white Christian men, had the right to confiscate any land they found if, you know, the land didn't belong to white Christians. So, you know, they hit the shores of North America and see Native Americans, these heathens, these godless, um, you know, they're not white, they're not Christian. And so all the land was theirs for the taking. And that may sound like, well, gee, Karen, that happened so long ago. But that doctrine of discovery still props up today uh, laws that affect Native Americans, that affect other people, you know, uh, property rights and things like that. Right. Um, you say that abuse and exploitation exist on a wide spectrum. For instance, bullying might not be in the same place on the spectrum as rape, but both are abuse, verbal abuse. Uh, People say, you know, well, I wasn't abused because I was never hit, but emotional and verbal abuse can even be worse. Yeah. Um, what is the difference between abuse and exploitation? Well, you know, I think they're pretty close. Um, you know, uh, uh, for instance, uh, you can grow up in a family, for instance, that um, maybe is an unhealthy, you know, maybe there's depression, maybe there's, you know, alcohol, alcoholism, um, you know, your mother or father tells you you're worthless, you're never going to amount to anything, or, you know, you're just neglected. Um, I think that's abuse, where exploitation, I think, is maybe um, different in the sense that, um, you're being misused or used for the benefit of another. That's how I would define it anyway. You know, um, yeah. Okay, yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm satisfied with that. Great. And um, I know that um, you emphasize the word boss and it, <laughs> the connotation around that word boss. So yeah. um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? I found that interesting. Yeah, I did too. And uh, I didn't know it in myself until uh, some of the people who submitted, uh, you know, interesting anecdotes for the book brought it to my attention. So uh, let me try to remember. So boss is a word that's derived from a European word, um, Danish, I think it was. And it goes back to the time um, of slaveholding. And um, so it has that, you know, connotation when, you know, Europeans were, um, you know, exploiting, uh, you know, other cultures as slaves, you know, to make money. And um, so I, you know, and I, and I didn't know that. I mean, I grew up all my life, you know, just heard the word boss, no big deal, didn't know it had those connotations. And then it turns out there's another connotation to the word boss. It's like a stubby, pointy piece on a shield 
that you use kind of like a, a knife in a way so that um, it's a weapon, you know, it's actually a weapon. Called that a boss. It's called a boss. Punch. Yeah, that can hurt and puncture. And I thought, you know, I'll never think of, you know, I'll never think of the word boss the same again, you know. Um, and of course, they're benign bosses. Of course, you know, we need somebody in the workforce making sure things get done and all of that. But, you know, um, you know, there's also a lot of negative connotations. What I just described, or you think of a mob boss, right? The boss. Um, so yeah, uh, I, th I think that's a word we need to retire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess so. Now that you've explained it, that's um, or or think about, or or maybe think about it. What kind of a boss do I have? Do I have the kind that you know uh, is associated? you know, uh, metaphorically with these negative connotations, you know, is it a beneficent boss, you know, that helps me be the best person I can be? Or is it a guy who uh, is exploiting me, maybe not giving me a raise for five years, making me do unsafe or illegal things? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep, I do. Um, and, you know, I talk about this too because narcissistic abuse is in the workplace quite often, um, and it's a it's a very serious problem because that's your livelihood, and yeah. um, it's you're put in a position of do I stay and continue to make money um, that I need, or do I get out of here because it's ruining my mental and physical health? Yeah, it puts you in a bind. It does because um, you know, say you're in your fifties, right? And you and you've worked all your life, and you've achieved achieved a certain status and um, level of pay, and uh, you might you know you might not be able to make the lateral or an upward move if you leave. Mm -hmm. People are maybe relying on you for that paycheck, you know. So what do you do? You know, what do you do? And it's really hard to uh, to prove uh, a toxic work environment to say, well, sue, you know, well, attorneys only want uh, to represent you if your employer has deep pockets so that they can make a lot of money and judges say, well, just leave, go find another job. But, you know, neither is a good situation for the worker. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, anybody suffering this kind of abuse in any situation gets almost no support all around because yeah, people I, don't I, put any, they don't put any weight on emotional and mental abuse. Right. And I mean, one of the things that we endured when my husband fell and hit his head was we got a real taste of the worker comp system, which is egregious for the employee. Mm. And um, even though he had a brain injury and ended up in brain boot camp five days a week, eight hours a day for months, it took a year to get there. Crucial time that you know, uh, his recovery might have been different had he actually gotten help sooner, you know. So there's all sorts of institutionalized abuse out there that, um, you know, it's it's very difficult to do anything about. Right, exactly. Um, 
I was, um, I had written here, um, so often we women perpetuate the sins of abuse and exploitation because too often society has put women in marginalized situations where they have to rely on abusers or exploiters for their quality of life. What do you mean by marginalized situations? Well, okay, it, they're, they're all different sorts of varieties, but we all know, um, you know, we're all familiar with that um, term, um, you know, uh, pay inequality, right? You know, women aren't paid the same as a man generally for the same job. Um, well, you know, even though she's maybe the breadwinner in the family, maybe she's a single mother, right? Um, it used to be men got paid more because the excuse was, well, he was the breadwinner. Well, you know, maybe back in the 50s, but, you know, uh, that's not the case anymore. So women go through the workforce uh, being paid less than men uh, potentially their entire life. And then uh, they get hit on the back end, too, when they retire in poverty because they haven't made as much throughout their work life, you know. Or um, say they um, were part of a, a group where, you know, they're told to submit to male authority, that that's, um, you know, uh, you know, that's the thing that that's the thing that you're supposed to do to be a good wife. Uh, you know, your life is about having children and taking care of the home. And maybe you never even work outside then you know maybe your husband leaves you or dies um you have you have nothing you know you have nothing um so you know it's 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 still really difficult out there um i mean i i think something uh, just passed in florida that uh, ron DeSantis uh canceled uh, lifetime alimony for women now at first you might think okay well, who should get alimony for their entire life? That seems, you know, that like that's not fair either. But if you've been told from the time maybe you got married at 18 uh, and you took care of your children and you took care of your aging parents and you never worked outside the home and you supported your husband and maybe him in business and he leaves you and divorces you, where are you? You know, if you don't have a way, if you don't, if you don't have a skill to take out there in the workforce, or because you've never been out there in the workforce, you don't have the esteem, the self-esteem to feel like you can do something besides maybe flip burgers at Burger King or something, you know? I mean, I don't think that should be a law. Yeah. I think that should be based, you know, case-based. Yeah. When each situation. Exactly. And, exactly. and up to the judge to decide you know, what, um, what is fair? Well, you know, we still really live in a male dominated society, you know, uh, it's gotten better for women, of course, but it's still patriarchy, it, it's still uh, male dominated. And, uh, and uh, in certain areas, uh, it's, you know, worse than others. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Can we have a non-abusive and a non-exploitive society, in your opinion? You know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be Pollyanna and say we can have a utopia. I don't think we can have a utopia. Uh, but um, I truly believe that if more people um, woke up to the idea that maybe they're being abused, um, they 
can then start to plan exit strategies and uh, change things in their lives so that they have a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. I, I think um, as a society, if you know, we decided uh, once again that, remember when greed was one of the seven deadly sins? Um, you know, if we went back to that idea of greed being taboo, maybe we even make it a, a, a mental health condition. <laughs> um, you know, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but you know, when I think what people will do other people um, to earn money and have more money than they can probably ever spend in a lifetime, um, it's really, it, it feels like to me, it's almost a sickness. And, um, you know, I, I think society needs to, um, it needs mental health. You know, I, I think our society is uh, in trauma. I think mental health has been ignored, the importance of it. And, um, and I think that has affected so many areas. I mean, you're, you're an expert and I don't profess to be a licensed therapist, but when I think about uh, all of the overdoses, the opioid overdoses, or people medicating themselves because they're, you know, if they just can't endure life anymore. And yes. You know? Yes. And yeah. Yeah. And I think when we're traumatized from abuse, we don't make good decisions. Um, we see our, as women, for instance, I think uh, we have low self-esteem. Uh, we don't value ourselves. So then we are primed to be abused, you know? Um, and, um, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, when, when, when this is, you know, it, we're like fish in water and we don't really see the water. You know, we're in this climate of abuse and we don't even see it. You know, we're gaslighting ourselves uh, because we, you know, we have to put one foot in front of the other every day. You know, I'm not a, a licensed mental health clinician. Um, I am an expert in one specific area of this. Uh, but what I do know is that there is a huge void in, um, in the mental health community. And it, a lot of it has to do with the um, American Psychiatric and Psychological Associations being very slow to call something um, a mental illness, to put it in their DSM-5. takes them decades to recognize something. And if it's not recognized in the DSM-5, it cannot be diagnosed. And most of the time it cannot be recognized. Yeah. So these therapists are not trained adequately, especially they're not brought up to date with a lot of the discoveries we've made about mental health, um, yeah. emotional abuse in particular in, in many different arenas. And well, Mm -hmm. Well, I know when I suffered the stun gun assault, um, I didn't know right away uh, that it affected me. And, um, you know, I figured, okay, physically fine, but I didn't realize that the symptoms I started to have were post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. disorder. And um, I mentioned to a couple people uh, that I had post-traumatic stress. And, it, you know, I would get these flip answers like, oh, so you think you're a soldier now? 
you know, you know, you're uh, she, because they only recognize PTSD as something soldiers who had fought in war. Absolutely. Uh, got, you know, or um, or when, you know, my husband was depressed after his head injury uh, because, you know, our our life, um, you know, one minute it was fine and we had this rosy future and the next minute it was like flip a switch and, you know, we're it's utter chaos. You know, he wasn't the man he used to be. He couldn't do things he used to do. And so we, you know, he did, um, you know, get therapy, but they wanted to just give him a pill. They wanted him to medicate himself rather than heal himself. You know, there were actually, that really surprised me. You know, there were actually therapists that wanted to, you know, no talk therapy, no alternative offerings, um, you know, meditation, mindfulness, tapping, nothing like that. Take a pill. You know, what, um, how did your husband injure himself? Um, he slipped, uh, on some water and, um, he started to fall down a flight of stairs. And when he grabbed the handrail to stop himself from falling any further, his head, the momentum, his head hit the brick wall Oh my gosh! and he was out. And he laid there for I don't know how long because he was in an isolated place where no one passed. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, it what was, a crazy accident. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you, you know, we, we just uh, we just don't know from one day to the next. And I hesitate saying that because that sounds fear based. <laughs> I don't it's mean. True. Well, OK, so a better way to say it would be we need to live for the moment. Yeah, that's all we really have. <laughs> right. You know, Randy, I have to tell you, in spite of all of this, um, you know, I learned so much through this process. And um, really, even everything we went through, I can see the gifts in it. Um, where we are in life right now is so much better than I think we would have been had this not have happened. It was, it was difficult to go through, you know. But in the end, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I think we're both happy with where we are. And I think that's a, a, an important message for people that things may feel bleak today, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. You know, you just have to employ self-care and, um, you know, educate yourself. I mean, I think that's really key because I think so many people are um, abused and exploited because of their lack of knowledge, you know, uh, even if, you know, uh, I mean, we, I, I think we go out into the world really very unprepared and, um, you know, whether it be in the workplace or like you said, you know, some people don't even realize they're being abused in their families. Um, uh, you know, they don't understand the institutional, the institutional abuse. Um, so yeah, I, I think education goes a long way. My mother always said knowledge is power and, um, that's, you know, I, I, I think that's so true and important to recognize. Yes, what you said is really important. And the longer we live, the more we can 
in hindsight see that there's a flow to life and there's movement and that where we are now is not where we're going to be in 10 years because yeah. life moves and and we move and things change and there's so many um factors that can influence our lives so um it's it's really important to not look at today and go this is the, this is the way it will be because i know for me when i did that at about 27 to 30 years old and said this is the way it's going to be i figured i'm stuck in pain and drama drama trauma chaos you know and my life changed dramatically because i made a few changes you yeah. know and yeah. then that made changes and that made changes and then life changes so um everything can be uh everything if you fall into the flow of life and you stay aware and you work on yourself uh, on address issues that come up it's it's you know you can definitely change um your situation you know and i, and I think we have to be honest with our situation you know i was teaching a class uh about patriarchy and trauma and women's rights and things like this and um and, you know, a young woman came to me at the break in tears saying, I know everything you're telling me is true, but I can't, I can't listen to this anymore. Um, and she said, um, I'm going to have to go now because I know my family and husband and his family, um, you know, they, they wouldn't like it if I came home and talked about any of this or tried to make changes. Mm -hmm. And I wonder about her. I really do. You know, I mean, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, there's nothing you can do about it, right? Um, so you can't unring the bell and not hear what you've heard or know now what you don't know. But um, I think sometimes we really do have to um, read the room you know, assess the situation, you know, am I in the right marriage? Am I in the right job? Am I in the right church? Whatever it is, do I have the right circle of friends? And, um, and if you, and if the answer is honestly, no, then maybe some adjustments uh, are necessary. Right. And that's, denial is so powerful. People can live in denial for years and years and years and, and think that they're making it, they're, they're getting by. But with denial, what you're doing is you're shutting away all your feelings behind a wall. And that is going to wreak havoc on your body. You can't live in denial, but yeah. some people do. And they're, they're terrified um, what will happen if they begin to explore the truth of their lives. Well, you know, another thing that I realized for myself that um, I think we have to learn to be a little bit more comfortable with uncertainty um, because we don't have control of a lot, although we do have control over quite a bit. And um, and because you think about the, the, the domestic violence, you know, the woman who's abused by her husband or the person uh, with a horrible boss or whoever it is. And, you know, at least, and I think they stay in those situations because the abuse is familiar. Mm -hmm. You know, at least they know what to expect. Yeah, they're going to be 
you know, misused and abused and, you know, maybe beat up and all the rest, but they know what to expect. And that's easier to deal with than risking something new. And if there were a way for, you know, for me to say to people, you know what, shift gears a little bit, think of the change as, in a, a, as, as potential, as adventure, you know, um, rather than it, you know, coming from a fear-based place, because if we could get a little bit more comfortable with uncertainty, I think then it makes it easier to make changes. And I think also too, if we look back at our successes in life, you know, in, in, at times when we've been resilient, we've made good decisions, you know, and we look at how capable we really are, then that bolsters us to know, well, yeah, maybe this, you know, the future is uncertain, but I've managed, I've gotten through hard stuff. And if, you know, I hit a roadblock, I'll, I'll find a way around I'll it. I'll be able to do it. Right. I did it before. I'll do it again. You just, this was, this is such a powerful um, statement that you made about uncertainty. You're absolutely right. People are afraid of what they do not know. And what I hear um, from women very often is the devil I know is better than the devil I don't know. And that's not true. That is absolutely not true because abuse gets worse. It can kill you. <laughs> and if it doesn't kill you, if the, if the abuser doesn't kill you, the physical issues that are going to happen, happen as a result of what you've been through are going to kill you. So you yeah. can't stay in these situations. But as far as like uncertainty, what I know about people who have had a lot of, um, a lot of trauma in their life, it can get to a point where their identity is based on their history of trauma. And it's terrifying to let that go because they don't know who they are without it. Yeah. And so it's like, it's like standing on the edge of the cliff and just jumping and you don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, that's terrifying, but these are skills. Uh, you had said something about, you know, being unprepared for life. So many people are. So what does this say? This says that there's a problem in the school system. There's a problem with how we raise our children. They're not given proper skills for living. No, and I think um, many parents aren't ready to be parents either. That's true. So, so if you have parents who are unhealthy, and you have a school system that can't or won't help, and maybe you have a community. Um, I mean, I think about how so many kids are homeschooled, and you know, you don't know the quality of the education these kids are getting, and in some cases, it's pretty poor or it's distorted. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, it feels like to me, um, it, those people are going to have a tougher road to hoe, you know, so to speak, um, because um, they're, they're kind of, it, it's going to be up to their personal resilience, I think, or maybe their curiosity. You know, I have found that if people are intellectually curious, then um, I, I think it's maybe easier 
to um, expand their horizon, so to speak, um, and, uh, you know, maybe educate themselves. Um, and, you know, maybe if they can, um, you know, rub shoulders with different types of people, um, you know, maybe that can help them get out of that environment that maybe shape them, but not shape them forever, you know. We, we can all reinvent ourselves right. uh, to, to find maybe that authentic self that's been buried down deep. And the schools need to be teaching more of these, these kind of skills. Um, yeah. Trusting intuition, learning how to be resilient. These kind of things are so crucial because when you're smacked with adulthood all of a sudden, it's a shock and many people are not prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah, they really aren't. I mean, and I and I go back to all of the people who responded to my book talking about their ordeals in the workplace. And, um, you know, I don't think anybody ever says to you, well, your boss isn't supposed to do that or he isn't, you know, he shouldn't ask you to do that. You've, you know, uh, you know, you may have a boss that says, well, I pay you for eight hours. You do whatever I tell you to do. Mm. But, but, you know, he's, you know, he's restricted by laws too, uh, you know, but, um, you know, we, we just aren't well versed in that. That's true. And laws now, what are laws anyway? Nobody's <laughs> nobody's honoring the laws or following the laws or being punished for committing crime. It's everything is topsy turvy. Um, you talk about in your book about abuse in academia. I thought that was interested interesting because this is different than what we're talking about educating children. This is presenting us with a false narrative about what has happened in our history, right? Yeah, um, that one, I mean, while they all anger me, that one really uh, gets to me personally, because I know growing up in the South and the Bible Belt, um, you know, the educational system is not that good. And there was so much I didn't learn. And uh, I think the gatekeepers that decide what a child is going to learn. Uh, they can either expand someone's horizon and, um, you know, uh, uh, help uh, nourish, um, you know, expanding minds, or they can totally dupe uh, generations of people. I mean, I think about how uh, when I grew up, we didn't, you know, we knew there was a civil war. But, you know, um, and yeah, we knew there was slavery, but that's all we knew about the slavery. Gee, yeah, there was slavery. You know, maybe we learned a sentence or two about it, you know, or, um, you know, or now they're banning books, you know. Um, I, I think whenever, uh, you know, the, the people who decide, um, What's going to be, ex or, or you, or think about this, you know, um, history is written by the conquerors and usually the conquerors are rich white men. <laughs> and, um, you know, when women's history month rolls around there, we always lament the dearth of, uh, women's history out there to point to, you know, um, because we know, you know, women, uh, 
oftentimes couldn't be published or they had to hide that they were a woman and, you know, go by their initials or, or whatever, you know. Uh, but it, it um, you know, it, 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 and you think about, for instance, the history that like Manifest Destiny, you know, it, you know, we, we tout that as this wonderful, um, you know, industrialization and expansion of the United States, but at what cost? You know, we don't hear about the people who were abused, exploited, where if you read a book like The History of the United States by Howard Zinn, and you learn about, uh, you know, that history of our country through the eyes of the average person, it looks a lot different, you know? It's not just this, everything we've achieved from the um, perspective of the industrialist or the railroad baron, or, um, you, you know what I mean? The, the, the uh, you know, the people who made money uh, off, the, off the backs of Chinese people, you know, building the railroads and things like that, you know? So, so really it's in our, education is so important uh, because that helps us make better decisions. You know, um, I know I interviewed Richard Wolf on my uh, podcast and he talked about as a professor, he couldn't teach his students anything about capitalism, except it was wonderful and there's no better system. He couldn't say anything about the value of any other economic systems. Uh, if he expected to get tenure. And he says that was pretty much across the board. Well, when you think about, you know, colleges are kind of married to billionaires who donate money to the college. Well, you know, they don't want the people to rise up and say capitalism is killing us, right? There's a, maybe there's a better way, maybe democratic socialism, like the Scandinavian countries have, and they're purported to be the happiest people on the planet. Um, you know, so, you know, even the colleges, um, you know, don't always teach things that we need to know, like women's studies. Women's studies is really difficult to get across the country or, you know, studies of uh, other ethnic um, peoples, you know, uh, it, it or you, uh, for, or you know, uh, academia can be tainted by racism. I remember uh, reading about how um, academia couldn't believe that these pyramids in in the Kush region could have been built by black people. You know, um, so I mean, it's the, uh, or or archaeology, for instance. You know, so much of it has been uh, done by white men without the perspective of the female view. And a great example is these, these wonderful artifacts that were found in Malta were obviously the lower torso of females and they had red ochre down the inside of the thighs, which a woman would naturally have thought, well, maybe that was reminiscent of her sacred blood or having given birth. These male archeologists didn't even acknowledge that it was a, you know, female figurines, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, arch uh, academia can be wonderful and we have learned so much, but um, it can also be used to uh, hold us back or show us the world in a certain perspective 
that might not be in our best interest all the time. Right. The word that you used before, we should have curiosity. Yeah. We should have curiosity that there's more. Yeah. There's always more to, to things than what we are being shown. Yeah. Um, and then you talk about religious and spiritual abuse, which is actually something that I talk about too with narcissism, and this happens a lot. And, you know, I find um, people will come to me, people who are of faith and really rely on their institution, like the church, to guide them. And they get given very bad information. But because it's under the guise of this is God's word, this is what we do, it gets very sticky and people end up staying in situations because of this manufactured word of God. So, um, you know, so, um, but also you talk about pedophilia being rampant in um, in churches and um, ritual child rape and things like that since ancient times. Um, so what do you have to say about that? Well, um, if we're going to go there, <laughs> um, you know, primarily the world um, is, uh, spiritually speaking, um, ruled by three patriarchal major religions, uh, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And they're all male-dominated. And they all say there's God up there. There's men right beneath God who hear God and speak to God. And, you know, they are going to be the ones that, um, you know, dictate to the rest of the world um, how things are going to be. And then underneath that pyramidal structure, you have women, the planet, all the species on the planet. And we're all kind of chattel and the commodities, if you will. And, you know, if, if someone wants to create a dogma and say, um, well, God says so, they can justify just about anything, can't they? Absolutely. And this, and is, this is used in, in marriages where, you know, where the, the narcissist wants to dominate through guilt and through the word of word of God. Yeah. Well, you know, I interviewed women who escaped the Quiverful movement, which is a fundamentalist Christian organization. And they use the word escape. That wasn't my word. So, um, you know, and they would talk to me at length about what their life was like and how so many women are stuck and didn't have a way out. But, you know, these women are told that their role in life is dictated by their biology, that uh, God would not have given them a womb if it wasn't their job to have babies. <laughs> and they are, are really have basically been relegated to breeder. Now, um, they, they, they uh, sugarcoat that. And of course, they don't call their women breeders, but the women are told, I mean, you think of the Duggars, remember the Duggars on television? I watched um, the documentary. Yeah, she had 19 children, I think. 
Um, well, these women are told that they should continue to have children till they can't anymore. And if they die in childbirth, they know they were a martyr for Jesus. I get goosebumps just even repeating that. But that's what these women have been told, you know. And, um, and sexuality is taboo. I mean, these women are basically raped by their husbands uh, because the husbands don't learn pleasurable sexuality because, you know, there's so much shame and guilt around it, you know, so there's, you know, there's that aspect of it. Uh, they're homeschooling their kids with these um, um, lesson plans put together by the church that are wholly inadequate, and the girls only get to go up to a certain level, maybe they get to learn fractions because um, they have to be able to cook. <laughs> you know, they need to know what half a cup is versus a quarter of a cup. Right? <laughs> I mean, it sounds absurd. It is this, absurd. This is the reality that we're, you know, they're living in. Um, I, I saw a documentary too, I would highly like recommend it, uh, Shiny Happy People. And it's about this particular fundamentalist group. And what they do, they use corporal punishment on children six months old, 12 months old, and they have blanket training. And they'll lay a baby on a blanket and put a favorite toy near it. And when the baby reaches for the toy, they slap them. And every time they reach for the toy, they slap them and they do it over and over again until the baby stops reaching out. And the idea is to, um, uh, you know, to discourage their will. So what happens when you raise people whose wills don't matter, their will does not matter, their desires don't matter, their voice doesn't matter, they are prepped they are primed for abuse these women talked about you know um their pastor would um you know make sexual advances at them and they thought well they had to go along with it because he's the authority right. they have to obey male authority or they would go off to some conference and you know some you know young man would slip into their room and get in their bed they didn't even have the words to know how to say no. Well, because for, you know, the last 15, 18 years of their life, um, you know, they've been repressed. Has, they've been deprived of their will. Yes. Their ego, yeah. their will, all of those things that are natural for us. You know, um, we, we're going to have to stop it. I just wanted to say, uh, I interviewed somebody the other day who had written a book about, um, his experience crossing over to the other side. But what was very interesting is there were two characters. It was him, the person he was representing, and the other one was a bishop. And when the bishop got to the other side, the bishop thought, I'm golden. I've lived my life like this. And what he found out was he had completely misrepresented what God wanted him to do he was taking it upon himself and he had all these things he had to do to undo the damage he had done to mankind so yeah. um i thought it was really it was it was very interesting um yeah. but that's kind of you know and i always think well we're gonna get it figured out when we cross over because <laughs> we're gonna have to look at it 
and go, wow, I thought that was right. And it wasn't. So that's well, I hope, there, I hope there's karma <laughs> or, or, or I hope there's some kind of accountability somewhere. I think there um, is. Yeah. They know. say that we do a life review and yeah. we have to relive everything. So, so that, you know, that's a whole different story, but it just struck me as, as so interesting. Um, Karen, what a great discussion. So you are, um, your book is called Normalizing Abuse, a commentary on the culture of persuasive, pervasive abuse, pervasive abuse. Um, and it is really powerful. And I know you put a lot, how long did it take you to write this book? Um, on and off. Um, I, it probably took about three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot in there, a lot of thought. You put a lot of thought into this. So um, I highly recommend the book for anybody that's interested in this topic. And Karen, um, what is your, how can we find out more about you? Um, well, my website is sort of the hub for it all. And the website is my name, karentate.net. Um, I have a podcast myself called Voices of the Sacred Feminine that airs every Wednesday. And I've been doing that for about 11 or 12 years. Uh, so uh, listeners can find out about my books, my podcast. I also have a lot of articles and interviews and classes I've taught on my website. Okay. Are you still teaching classes? Uh, I am. I am. Okay. Very cool. That's really been a pleasure. A very interesting topic. Um, yes, I, enjoy, I enjoy talking with you. Thank you, Randy. It's been well, fun. Thanks for being my guest. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.